Landino and welcome to another episode of Leader Fluent. Today, I'm sharing a topic that will challenge you and your team and that is the eight pitfalls of teachability. We know that being teachable is essential to long-term success, whether that's in leadership or organizational life, your family, wherever it might be. But there's some common pitfalls you have to watch out for, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And hey, speaking of teachability, maybe you need someone to help you grow through the challenges you're facing as a leader. If that's you, one of the things I offer is one-on-one coaching. I know in my life, coaching has made such a huge difference, especially in those moments when you just need some, some different perspectives, some wisdom, maybe even permission to pursue a certain path. So whether you're looking for coaching in the area of leadership or organizational health, maybe church planting or discovering your life purpose, I'd love to help. You can learn more at stephenblandino.com. Just click on the coaching tab and I'll connect with you soon. Well, before we get started, if you haven't subscribed to the Leader Fluent podcast, be sure to do so on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. And if you could leave a rating or review, it really does help us spread the word to other leaders. So much would appreciate that. Thanks again for joining me today. Now let's jump into this episode on the eight pitfalls of teachability. I think every leader would admit that teachability is critical to long-term success. And let's be honest, if I asked you, are you a teachable leader? You'd probably say, absolutely. That's how we all feel, right? But what I've discovered is that teachability can easily seep out of our lives when two things happen. When comfort increases and when certainty decreases. In other words, when our comfort increases, we can become resistant to new things. And when certainty decreases, in other words, when our environment becomes very unpredictable, kind of like what's happened during COVID, we tend to lean into our predictable and routine ways of doing things. So teachability can evaporate in that moment when comfort increases and certainty decreases, and yet Teachability is the doorway to making things better. I love what Ken Blanchard and Mark Miller said. They said, growth in wisdom has no formula, but it almost always involves at least one of four elements, rigorous self-evaluation, honest feedback, counsel from others, and time. Now think about those four things. What happens when you seek out self-evaluation, honest feedback, and counsel from others over the course of time? You develop a teachable spirit that helps you grow. So, what does teachability look like in our lives? Author Roger Seip has, has what he calls a teachability index that he describes using a really simple equation. It goes like this. He says, desire to learn times willingness to change equals level of teachability. Let me say it again. Desire to learn times willingness to change equals your level of teachability. So according to SIPE, if you assign a number, like on a scale from 1 to 10, if you assign a number to your desire to learn and you assign a number to your willingness to change, you can come up with your teachability index. So for example, let's say your spouse wants you to make some changes to improve your relationship. 
But because maybe your marriage isn't falling apart at that time, right? Your desire to learn may only be a five on a scale from one to 10. And maybe you think, well, it's my spouse who needs to change or the one that needs to, to do some things different. So maybe your willingness to change is only, only a three on a scale from one to 10. Well, five times three, in other words, five being your desire to learn and three being your willingness to change, five times three only gives you a score of 15 on the teachability index, which means you're probably not going to do a whole lot of growing because you don't really want to learn. You don't really want to change. Let, let, let's say, let me give you another example. Let's say that that you love your job and you want to become a better leader. Well, in this situation, maybe you desire to learn uh, a great deal. And so your desire to learn might be a nine on a scale of one to 10. And then let's say your willingness to make necessary changes is an eight. Well, nine times eight gives you a teachability index score of 72, which means the likelihood of you growing as a leader is going to be much greater. So, so if you want to figure out your teachability index, really in any area of your life, just assign a number to your desire to learn and a number to your willingness to change, multiply those, and that'll be your teachability index in that area of life. So, so with that as a backdrop, let me share with you eight common pitfalls to teachability. And each one of these are, are, are a little bit unique, a little bit different, but I want you to listen. And as you listen, ask yourself, which of these pitfalls am I most susceptible to? So let's get started. The first pitfall to teachability is pride. You think you already know. You see, the longer that we live, let's just be really honest, isn't it harder to admit that you don't know something? I mean, after all, if I don't have the answer, then that means I risk looking incompetent in front of my peers. But, but here's the thing you've got to understand. True teachability is grounded in humility. Let me say that again. True teachability is grounded in humility. Proverbs 11.2 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And in Galatians 6, the Apostle Paul said in verse 3, For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's pretty direct, right? Pretty in your face. Again, true teachability is grounded in humility. I like the way my friend Steve Moore addresses the role of humility whenever it comes to being teachable. He says this, he says, In a chemical laboratory... Two elements may be mixed together with no resulting change. A catalyst is needed to trigger a reaction. Humility is a catalyst for learning because it produces teachability. It is impossible to learn without being teachable. So what about you? Is the pitfall of pride keeping you from being teachable? The second pitfall is the past. In other words, you rely on yesterday's success. Too often, we let tried and true methods squelch new and improved opportunities. Now, don't, don't get me wrong here. We, we need, obviously, to hold on to timeless truths and rock-solid wisdom. That, that's essential. But if we're not careful, we can turn yesterday's success 
into an idol that robs the future of its potential. Listen, if you're relying too much on yesterday's success, one day you'll wake up in a graveyard of irrelevance. Don't let that happen. I heard one man say it like this. He said, honor the past, but be loyal to the future. Honor the past, but be loyal to the future. Again, the past can be a pitfall of teachability because it deceives us into always thinking yesterday is the best way. Number three, the third pitfall of teachability can be people. You don't surround yourself with new voices. Now, we love to be around people who, who think like us, who act like us, talk like us, lead like us, right? I mean, oftentimes those are some of our closest friends. The problem is when us is outdated, irrelevance becomes the master teacher. Let me say that again. When us is outdated, irrelevance becomes the master teacher. Andy Stanley said it like this once. He said, if you are surrounded long enough by people who think like you think, you will become more and more certain that's the best way to think. Here's what I've discovered about surrounding yourself with new voices. You have to pursue them. If you want to get input from new voices, you have to intentionally put yourself in rooms where you can hear those voices. You have to intentionally read books or subscribe to podcasts or attend events or seek out coaching that, that you might not otherwise pursue, that you might not normally go after. Otherwise, you'll just keep listening to the same people, to the same voices. Number four, professionalism. You're already an expert. One of the biggest roadblocks to tomorrow's teachability is the belief that you're already an expert and therefore you already have all the answers, right? But but I, I love some observation that's been made in this area of being an expert by, by some Nobel Prize winners. And let's be honest, if you're a Nobel Prize winner, you think, oh man, you've already, you've already reached the peak. Like how much further can you go? But I love what Daniel McFadden said. Daniel McFadden won the Nobel Prize for economics in 2000. He said this. He said, if you're not careful, the Nobel Prize is a career ender. If I allowed myself to slip into it, I'd spend all my time going around cutting ribbons. And Nobel literature winner T.S. Eliot said this. The Nobel is a ticket to one's own funeral. No one has ever done anything after he got it. You see, to remain teachable, you just might have to unlearn some false assumptions so you can relearn some new insights. Don't let your expertise be the thing that undermines future learning. Number five, the fifth pitfall of teachability is plateau. You've lost your passion and curiosity for growth. Listen, just because you grew doesn't mean you'll grow. In other words, yesterday's growth doesn't guarantee tomorrow's growth. The Apostle Paul said it like this whenever he was writing to his young apprentice Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he said, Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And in verse 15, he said, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your 
progress. What's interesting is that word progress in this verse is actually a Greek military term that means pioneer advance. It's the idea of an advancing force. In fact, in fact, the word was often used to describe a pioneer blazing a new trail. And it was also used to describe advancing in learning and knowledge. So, so Paul is telling Timothy, your growth must continually advance into new territory. In our terminology today, we'd probably say something like, you need to grow to your full potential, like, like your greatest capacity. Go into that new territory. Not only that, Paul told Timothy, give your complete attention to these matters. In other words, focus on your growth. Don't lose sight of maximizing your full capacity. Listen, if you lose your passion and curiosity for growth, a teachable spirit will vanish and you'll eventually arrive on a permanent plateau. Don't let that plateau, that pitfall of teachability, rob your potential. Do everything in your power to avoid that pitfall. Number six is price. You're unwilling to pay the price for growth. One of the things I've discovered about personal growth is that the longer you grow, the more expensive growth will become. And this is true in every sense of the word. Growth will become more time intensive because you'll have to practice deeper thinking. Growth will become more financially expensive because you'll have to to, to pay more to get in the rooms with the highest levels of coaching and training. Growth will become more painful because you'll recognize the sacrifices you have to make in order to grow to a new level of impact. There, there's a price to remaining teachable. And the question is, are you willing to pay the price? I think a great example of this is Orville and Wilbur Wright. The, the Wright brothers' invention of man flight was, was not only a great accomplishment. I mean, that's obvious. That's clear. But it was also the crown jewel in their commitment to personal growth. Here's why I say that. Neither Wilbur nor Orville ever attended college. In fact, that they were the only two in the Wright family not to do so. But that fact did not squelch their growth. For example, Wilbur was an avid reader. He would spend hours a day devouring literature, history, theology. And in fact, whenever a, a hockey accident squelched his aspirations to attend Yale University, uh, Wilbur refused to waste a single day of his recovery. For the next three years, he disciplined himself to read and study in his father's library. And, and Orville, Orville once wrote these words. He said, we were lucky enough to grow up in an environment where there was always much encouragement to children to pursue intellectual interest, to investigate whatever aroused curiosity. So, so get the picture here. For three years, Wilbur and Orville Wright devoured books. They would make frequent visits to the Dayton Public Library. They, they would scrutinize every piece of literature they could get their hands on on the subject of flight. In fact, they were even obsessive bird watchers. And, and, and since the internet obviously had not been invented at that time, they, they would write to the Smithsonian Institute requesting materials on aviation. They did everything they could to learn and grow because they were willing to pay the price to learn and grow. And as a result, Wilbur and Orville emerged with a workable 
realistic concept for manned flight. I like how author and management expert Mark Epler described it. He, he captured the words from a letter that Wilbur once wrote, and in the letter he said, We soon passed from the reading to the thinking and finally to the working stage. Think about that. We soon passed from the reading to the thinking and finally the working stage. What were they doing? They were reading. They were absorbing knowledge. They were thinking. They were reflecting on it. They were processing. And finally, they put it into practice. What happened? Because Wilbur and Orville Wright had an insatiable spirit of teachability. Within two years, they had fleshed out a theory of man flight that became reality. And as you know, on December 17th, 1903, the, these two bicycle builders from Dayton, Ohio, changed the definition of the word impossible, right? They, they, they put the right flyer in the air on its maiden voyage in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. There was a price to pay to see that day come. But because Wilbur and Orville avoided this teachability pitfall, they were willing to pay that price. And so let me just ask you, what about you? What price for personal growth have you been avoiding? And are you willing to pay that price today? Number seven, the seventh pitfall is perspective. You don't mine lessons out of failure. One of the greatest teachers you'll ever have will be your failures. And I know this one's not, not comfortable. None of these are comfortable, but this one, this one can be, in fact, very painful. But, but too often, people don't harvest the lessons this teacher sends their way. Instead, what do we do? We often view failure as nothing more than an event or an obstacle or, or some kind of an inconvenience in our life, even a permanent roadblock of some kind. But if failure is never given permission to teach, you'll silence the very lessons that might hold tomorrow's breakthrough, okay? Failure offers us great perspective, but you have to be willing to listen to its voice if you're going to benefit from it. Number eight is predictability. You're resistant to change. Now, what does predictability do? It offers a sense of stability and assurance. But, but if we hang on to the predictability too much and too long, we will actually resist the changes that are necessary to grow and to mature. In other words, predictability can put teachability out of business. So those are the eight pitfalls to teachability. And every single one of us probably are more susceptible to, to, to some over others. But, but the reality is they're all knocking at our door because they all want us just to relax and just 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 to pull back and, and, and to stop growing. So let me wrap up with a few questions for reflection that are tied to these eight pitfalls of teachability. Number one, how can you increase your posture of humility so that you're more teachable? Number two, what idea, strategy, or success from the past is keeping you from embracing new ideas and opportunities? Number three, how can you widen your circle to connect with two new leaders in the next 30 days? Number four, what might you need to unlearn that would keep, you, that would keep your experience from undermining your future growth? Number five, on a scale from one to 10, how would you rate your passion for growth and how could you increase it?
Number six, what price have you been unwilling to pay that would help you grow to the next level? Number seven, what failure do you need to revisit so you can mine important lessons from it? And number eight, in what area have you become resistant to change? And what's the first step you need to take to become open to a new way of doing things? Now, you may need to rewind and listen to those eight questions, but, but I think it would probably be worth your time. Again, teachability is essential to long-term success, and it starts by avoiding these eight common pitfalls. Well, I hope today's lesson helps you cultivate a deeper spirit of teachability. And why not share this with a friend? In fact, you might even decide to listen to it with your team and then talk together about the importance of teachability and the difference that it makes not only personally, but also organizationally. Well, I look forward to bringing you another episode of Leader Fluent next month. Until then, check out my website at stephenblandino.com if you'd like to learn more about coaching. And be sure to subscribe to Leader Fluent today and leave a rating or review. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next month.